This all took place a long time ago, when I was around 14. For background info, I am an indigenous Mexican and Navajo. The cultural difference is somewhat large, and I tend to practice my cultural roots within my Nawa side, but I'm also very close to my native family that resides in the States. My family, four of us, had planned a last-minute trip to Arizona. We had made arrangements to stay with some friends that lived on the reservation. My parents thought it would still be a good idea to stay at least a few days since that meant they got to see their family they hadn't seen in years, and my brother and I would be able to see our cousins, whom were very close in age to us, especially since it meant less money they had to spend on a motel. The first day, being the moody teens we were, my cousin and I thought it would be fun to roam the open fields that surrounded the res. We were hoping to get away from all the noise in the house and to avoid the same boring adult questions, how's school going? Etc. We wandered pretty far, far enough that the houses were out of sight. The walk was fairly normal until we began heading back. About halfway back, we noticed a coyote off in the distance. Nothing out of the ordinary, but we obviously didn't want to get close to it. But that's when it got kind of weird. We heard a whistle coming from somewhere around where the coyote was, something like what you'd hear when someone was calling a dog back. My cousin and I got kind of spooked as we didn't see another person around, and the last thing we wanted was to be two small girls alone in the field with a creep hiding around as the sun was setting especially given the number of murdered and missing indigenous women. We just kept walking, keeping our distance, but that's when we had an inkling we were being watched. We looked around and noticed the coyote was still a few meters behind us. My cousin got spooked and we picked up the pace until we got back home. On day two, the headaches started coming. The next morning was whatever. The adults had left us and driven off to go gamble, so it was just us four teens left alone for a few hours. As night rolled around and our parents had texted us to check in to tell us they'd be out late, nothing new, we all just pulled out our Game Boys and Nintendo devices and played for a while until my brother called me over to the window. He told me he heard footsteps and leaves outside and wanted someone else to look out the window with him. I did and didn't see anything out of the ordinary other than noticing the eerie silence. But after that, it was quiet for another hour or so and then the noises became more frequent. This time we all heard them and the house became silent as we all just listened. At first it was leaves crunching, then taps at the window inside of the house. But then there was such a weird smell. It wasn't super terrible or disgusting, I guess but just strong enough to be nauseating. My older cousin told us he thought it was a skinwalker trying to mess with us. At the time, I thought it was a dumb idea and probably just the res dogs, if you've ever been on the res, you know how crazy those damn dogs are. It just kept getting creepier though. Faint talking outside could be heard around 9 and then, my gods, the most painful headache I've ever gotten just appeared so suddenly. I remember crying and feeling so dizzy. I've never felt such pain before. The adults returned shortly after, and the more noise they brought with them, the better I felt. We went to bed, and that was that. Day 3, this time it was midday and I was looking out the open window just trying to get some fresh air while everyone else was in the living room. And I saw the same coyote. This is very odd as coyotes are mostly nocturnal. They're not very active during the day and they don't tend to get close to humans just for the hell of it. This time, though, it was closer and the sun allowed for all of its details to be made out. Standing a few meters away, it was big, bigger than the coyotes I usually see. It was longer and it just looked at me, unblinking. I heard the same whistling sound and as the hair on the back of my neck and arms stood up, I noticed its eyes were oddly discolored and not very animalistic. Patches of fur were missing and looking at it made me feel sick, 
so I closed and locked the window and left the room. When night came around, the adults went to bed, and I was having such a hard time sleeping. I remember I had the chills and a fever, and the tapping and crunching came back. It felt like it was so much louder than it actually was. My younger cousin lay in bed with me. She said the noises were keeping her up and that she had a bad feeling. That spooked me even more. We fell asleep after a while, and then it was the end of that trip. We left for our hotel for the rest of the week, and everything was fine. Even years later, every time I visit my family on the res, I always find myself on edge. Though nothing like that has happened again, my cousins and I still remember. You can chalk it up to whatever you want, may that be a mangy res dog or a teen's active imagination, but nonetheless, it was scary as hell. Especially when you grow up hearing about skinwalkers, nogwals, ect. I've thought of every mundane possibility. Us natives don't throw around the word skinwalker at every creepy experience. I promise. I just can't find an explanation for why I felt so bad and icky. A few months ago, me, 16, my sibling, 12, and my friends D, 16, C, 13, and L, 24, were at a hiking trail a few miles from our house. The trail is 9 miles long, with heavy woods surrounding the entirety of it. When you walk about a quarter of the trail, there's a bend where you can take a seat and look at the river. There's a small bench and a book people can leave messages in. We had walked to the bend and took a quick break. By the time we got there, the sun had started to set. You could hear the bugs all around you and the wildlife in the trees and bushes. After a few minutes, we continued walking and made our way to the other side of the trail where there's a clearing. We walked down the dirt trail. On both sides there are ditches full of tall grass, nearly 4 feet tall. About 100 feet from the trail is the woods we just came out of, and on the other side there's also woods, on private property. We keep walking down the trail, and we get about 50 feet from the clearing when we all hear a man screaming from inside the woods. At first we couldn't make out what he had screamed, we just knew we all heard it. We all stopped dead in our tracks and looked at each other, trying to figure out what he screamed. Immediately after C says, what was that? We hear the man scream again. This time it was very clear. We hear the man screaming, help. Help me. Help. At this point, we have no idea who this man is, where he was, or if he was even a man. A few seconds went by and L yelled back out to the man, hello? Do you need help? We got no response. We stare at each other in disbelief for about a minute, wondering what to do. We discuss the possibilities of what it could be, wondering if it really was a man crying out for help or if it was something else. We decided to keep walking down the trail after it was silent for a few minutes. We didn't hear any more screams or yells, but we did hear heavy footsteps in the woods, something that wasn't human. On the walk out of the trail, we took pictures of the trees and caught a pair of glowing eyes in a few pictures. We know these were not lightning bugs as they were all lower to the ground. The eyes were an orange-red color and far back, peeking between the trees near us. We took pictures every few feet, and there would be the same eyes, following along with us. When we were near the end of the trail, we heard the same male voice screaming something we couldn't understand. Nothing else happened on that trail, and we haven't gone back since. I've lost the pictures of the eyes, even though I know I saved them and put them in a folder. About a week later, I was sitting outside around 3 or 4 am when I heard a scream. The same scream we heard on the trail. It was the same man screaming for help again. My friend D came outside asking if I had heard it. They were inside next to the door about to come out. The man screamed over and over again. 
We heard footsteps vetting closer to us, and we decided it was best to go inside and lock the doors. We didn't talk about it that night as we were too scared it would get closer. We all believe we encountered a Wendigo. There have been a lot of sightings in the Great Plains, where I live. At first we thought it could have been a skinwalker, but we never saw an animal or anything that would be specific to one. We live in a big college town. We think the Wendigo heard one of the college students' voices and made a ploy for help to lure us in. We never investigated, we never went back, we never followed its cries for help. We were all worried that it could have been a real man in real danger. The following week, we were all keeping our eyes out for news reports about someone drowning or being in some sort of accident on the trail, as it's a very popular place to hike. But there were never any reports made of anything. We all believe we encountered a Wendigo that night. I was out camping with some friends when it all happened. We were up north of New York near a place known for some famous disappearances a decade ago, which was awesome because Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. we were all super into that stuff anyway it was our third night camping out when one of our friends just went missing now it's important to note that jane wasn't one to just get up and walk off for starters she was terrified of the dark so she naturally stayed close to the campfire secondly nobody noticed her leave there were six of us myself included and we all decided to stay in pairs in case we got separated for whatever reason. Jane was supposed to stick with me since we were kind of in love with each other, but I didn't see her leave at all. We searched for her and kept hearing her call our names, but every time we got close to where we heard her, she'd call to us from deeper into the forest. What was strange was that one of us would hear her but the rest couldn't. She would speak to me trying to get me to move in one direction, but then she'd tell one of the others to walk in the complete opposite direction. It was confusing and terrifying, as we didn't know what was going on. Then we saw her. Jane was standing in front of us, her skin a pale gray and her eyes jet black. It wasn't Jane, but it looked like her. Whatever it was, it charged at us as soon as it spotted us. causing us all to flee. Me and 3 of the others managed to get away, but one of our friends, Billy, wasn't so lucky. The rangers found their bodies a week later, all torn up. It was officially ruled a bear, and some people blame us, but I know it was a skinwalker. I used to live in the Rocky Mountains as a kid with my dad. He was a bushcraft teacher who helped train people to survive in the Rocky Mountains and would often take me on camping trips. When I was 8, my dad took me on one particular camping trip that I remember strongly to this day. Now it's important to note that we used to hunt for food on the many camping trips we took together. This time was no different. And the first thing me and my dad did was begin tracking a deer. We managed to catch up with a small group of maybe 5 or 6 deer at a clearing when I heard my dad say watch the deer. 
But he didn't say that. Instead, my dad raised his rifle not at the group of deer but at another deer that had just entered the clearing. But it wasn't a deer. It was walking on two legs and its face looked like my dad's face but twisted and misshapen. I tried to scream but no sound came out. My dad fired three shots at the thing before dragging me away from it. We ran harder and faster than I ever remember, running straight to the truck my dad drove us here in. We didn't even return to the camp we'd set up. Later, my dad did end up returning to the campsite to find someone or something had been rummaging through it. He hasn't spoken about it since, and neither of us has been to that part of the mountain since. So I was asked a few days ago to make a post about some of my experiences, and I have one of them here. Again, sorry for any bad formatting. I'm on my phone, so I'll try my best. For some context, I am a skeptic, my girlfriend is a non-believer, and the three friends that are in the story are all total believers. One night, my girlfriend and I were hanging out and we decided we wanted to go to one of the parks with a place set around us when it was dark because ooh creepy stuff. Anyway, we decided to stop in at my friend's house because maybe he and his boyfriend would want to join. We drive down to their place, get out of the car, and start walking down their kind of long and very dark driveway. We didn't text before we got there. I just figured we would show up and ask because it's quite common to just drop in there unannounced, and as soon as we get halfway down the driveway, we notice this absolutely terrible smell. It smelled like something had been rotting for days, or like a compost bin during the hot summer, so it was a super bad smell, and we both noticed and commented on how bad it was. As we get closer to the house, the smell starts to go away, but it's still in the air. Normally my friends are outside, except when we go up to their shed. They aren't out there, so I figured they might be inside, so I went to knock on the door. I'm immediately a bit creeped out because they are always outside doing something at almost all hours, but whatever, it's fine. After I knock, I hear movement inside and someone saying SHH. And then just silence. I wait a few seconds and then knock again. That's when my girlfriend says, did you hear that? I thought she was talking about them inside, but she was facing the forest surrounding the house, and that's when I started getting a bit spooked. After another knock, one of my other friends, who I did not expect to be there, answered the door. He pulled me and my girlfriend in and asked me how long I had been out there and why I was here. I told him everything and that we had just gotten there, then my friend, the one who I had gone there to see, we will call him L, his boyfriend A, and the other friend will be S, pulls me aside and asks me if I smelled anything or heard anything in the woods. Again, I told him the truth and what my girlfriend heard, and he said, okay, you should probably leave like, now. He then explains what had happened to them. They were all sitting in their shed smoking weed, their shed is a huge tent, and then they heard something moving around them. It's totally common because they live in the woods, but when they started smelling awful rotting meat, they got a bit disturbed. They left the shed and shined their lights around, but couldn't see anything. They just heard rustling and smelled awful rot. So they sit back down when they all, very very unfazed people who don't get scared easily at all, start feeling this awful sense of terror and dread. Another huge rustle in the trees finally made them get up and sprint inside the house. A few moments later, they hear a knock on the door, and it's me. L and A also explained how weird stuff has been happening to them all week. Weird noises, strange animal sounds far off in the distance which I now know means it is closer, and seeing some animals acting very strangely around where they live. I was still very skeptical about the whole thing and joked around saying what, is this place some kind of skinwalker ranch deal now? And everyone looks at me, because until that point, I didn't know about the name deal. 
then everyone starts to feel a bit of that sense of fear. After about 10 minutes, I managed to convince them to come to the park. So me, my girlfriend, L, and S all come, while A stays home. We get to the park and nothing strange happens. We hear noises, but I see a few raccoons and chalk it up to the trash pandas having a bit of a party. I drive them home, and everything is fine. We said goodbye and we have all pretty much gotten over it and said we were just crazy. Now I drive my girlfriend home. Where we live, it's pretty much all forest, so yay for us. The drive is pretty normal, nothing super strange until we get to this one pretty quiet street. I'm driving a bit slowly because it's a dangerous road with lots of blind corners, and at one of the houses I see what looks like a person standing up on their deck looking at the siding of their house from inches away. WTF? My girlfriend and I both freak out as we instantly feel that awful feeling of terror and dread. My heart is racing and I speed up and get her home. I called L and told him what happened. He told me to wait and just check it out again on my way past. Okay, so I'll check it out again. The same exact position no lights on just my headlights, and that feeling of terror. I tell him what I saw and he tells me to get out of there, so I speed home and that night I feel that sense of terror. Ever since that day, I have heard things in the woods, seen weird things, and felt that awful feeling. Sometimes I smell the scent too. I have always chalked it up to coincidence and just general weird things, but I can't help but think, what if? I was a police sergeant in some rural backwater back in 1973 when I had my first encounter. The station itself was small, as in under 10 people small, so everybody took it in turns to patrol the roads. It didn't matter as the town itself only had maybe a hundred or so people, so there was rarely any trouble. Well, normally there wasn't any trouble. 1973 was the year everything went to hell. It started in February of that year when one of the local kids went missing while messing about in a small patch of forest known for its popularity with drug users. So now it was rare for kids to go missing, even with the problems we'd been having with some users who had moved just outside of town, so everybody scrambled to find the missing boy. We never found the boy. We heard him a bunch of times while searching for him and I swear I saw glimpses of him around town for weeks following the search. If only it had been him. Then, in March, an abandoned camp was found not far from the place where the kid disappeared. It wasn't uncommon for the users to set up a camp somewhere where they wouldn't be bothered, and that was clearly what had happened here. Everyone at the station and in town naturally assumed the people who set up the campsite were somehow involved with the missing kid and had made a break for it. The funny thing was that they left a significant stash of shims behind, something users would never do. But it was the best lead we had at the time. It wasn't until late May that we found the bodies of the two people not far from the campsite. There wasn't any flesh left but it was obvious that they'd been torn apart. Bones were scattered everywhere and looked as though they'd been partially eaten. It was an obvious animal attack, and although there were both bears and wolves in the area, they tended to avoid people, making this very strange. More people started disappearing following the discovery of the bodies. The problem was, they'd often be seen after they disappeared, but they'd never interact with anyone. We never found most of them, and the few we did find had already been torn apart and eaten. We placed bounties, hired hunters, even got the National Guard in to try and look for whatever was responsible, but the attacks continued. The town is all but abandoned now. Most people fled after the National Guard failed to stop the killings. The few that remained have all gone missing. I don't know if skinwalkers were involved but I've been told that it's a very real possibility. I wish I knew.
The Giant Raven Something to consider I am unsure if this story indeed accumulates to a skinwalker story, but it is in the same vein and interesting nonetheless. In 2010, I was working for a large university while completing a graduate degree in public health. My research considered the intersectionality of cultural beliefs and their impact on allopathic medicine, modern medial care, and I was testing a hypothesis that, concerning large reservations, if public health workers weaved in tribal or native medicine into their approach to modern medicine, we would see a decrease in healthcare hesitancy for individuals that resided on reservations. Healthcare means different things to different cultures. I was exploring how to blend the two. The large university I was partnered with had a cultural anthropology program that was able to provide access to some very rural areas of reservation land in northwestern New Mexico. Thus, I buddied up with the anthropology students in order to complete my qualitative research regarding healthcare choices for individuals that resided in this part of the state. It was actually fantastic research. Public health and anthropology, particularly anthropologists, share a common interest in working with people who are denied access or seek to live off the grid. While the anthropology researchers had the painstaking task of surveying how thousands of years of belief shaped current culture, I had the simple mission of working with reservation-based healthcare clinics to define how the residents of the reservation created access to services. Through the course of my research, I became friends with Professor Jones, real name redacted, and he allowed me to tag along on their research investigations. I would spend my days at rural health clinics while the anthropology grad students and postdocs spent their days in the field surveying residents and land. We would meet up at whatever motel we were staying at in the evenings to drink Miller Lite, tell stories, and engage in general university-level shenanigans while on project. We were staying in a city or large town that did not have a nightlife, unless you drove to the casino which none of us could afford on graduate assistant or postdoc salaries. One particular evening, in June, the anthropology students and Dr. Jones shared a story of a gigantic raven that plagued the research team throughout the day. They said it even followed their van. They said the enormous bird would screech and run at the researchers, and they all recalled the bird being very aggressive and somewhat scary. They all had pictures of the bird on their phones, which I did see. Now, there was nothing of scale to compare the bird to, it was either on a dirt road or in flight, but no less than six researchers recalled stories of the enormity of the bird and how it followed the van. We laughed about it, and the anthropology team made jokes about the bird being a new mascot for their research. It was also not hard to fathom that a raven, living somewhere with little human intervention, might grow to huge proportions. After our parking lot revelry, we headed to our rooms, I shared a room with Dr. Jones. During the night, Dr. Jones became quite ill. He was pale, sweaty, and said he felt terrible. He could not describe exactly how he was feeling, just that he felt off and was unable to sleep. The next morning, Dr. Jones's condition had deteriorated so much so that he asked me to take him to Albuquerque to be seen at the ER, which was about a two-hour drive. In fact, he felt so bad that he had his graduate student pack his bags for him while I drove him back to civilization at about 5 a.m. I drove him to the Regional Academic Medical Center, and after a battery of tests, the medical team could find nothing wrong. A few weeks later, I was back on the reservation, and again performing my research at local health clinics. I bumped into a local spiritual healer that would frequent the clinics, and he asked me about Dr. Jones. I told him about how he had felt ill and had been unable to return to the research site. I will never forget. This spiritual healer looked at me and said, he is in grave danger, which made my blood run cold and he immediately got in contact with Dr. Jones. I thought the remark was startling, but went about my research. A few days later, I met Dr. Jones and his wife for dinner in Albuquerque. 
He told me that the spiritual healer came to perform a healing ceremony on him and said he had been in the proximity of a shapeshifter that had cursed him. He said that after the ceremony he was well and that the events that unfolded changed his perception of spiritual health and the healers that live on the reservation. Now, I am an empiricist, so I think there are lots of variables at play here. But what I do know is that the anthropology research team did see something odd, a gigantic raven, of which the pictures they deleted at the advice of the healer that came to see Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones was visibly ill and was, subsequently, visibly well after his visit with the healer. In fact, Dr. Jones tells this story to his new graduate students to this day to illustrate the necessity of observing local customs and the impact of local belief systems. Dr. Jones and I still keep in touch. He now works for a different university system. But when he comes to town we still get beer and tacos and reminisce about our research endeavors in New Mexico. I am not sure if he encountered a skinwalker, but he is totally convinced he was affected by a form of old magic while working in NM. I do not have a theory as to his illness or the encounter with the large bird, but I do, now, work with local elders while on reservation land to gain consent before conducting research or setting up a public health initiative. It was very strange. And I think about this event often. Maybe foxes, maybe skinwalkers. So I was gaming with my mates and we were talking about all kinds of cryptids and I mentioned skinwalkers. My friends explained why I shouldn't have mentioned their name, and later that night, I heard human-like screaming coming from the woodland outside the back of my house. For the past week, from midnight to two in the morning, all I've heard is screaming. Despite the fact that it is fox mating season, I can tell the difference. My younger brothers are terrified of it, and I don't want to tell them what I could be until I have some sort of confirmation. Any help anyone can give me would be greatly appreciated. This happened a long time ago, so my memories aren't exactly clear, especially considering the events that took place. I was up in the late... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
district in Canada camping and hiking with my brother and his girlfriend when it all happened. It was a trip they bought me on after my boyfriend of eight years passed away in a car crash, and they thought it might help me move on. Anyway, on the fourth day of our camping trip, we had set up camp at a large stream. All things told, it was a pretty good area to set up camp. Nothing strange happened at all during the day, so we never had a reason to suspect anything would happen. It was quiet all day, but then the night came and the strange things started to happen. We were around the campfire having a few drinks when the sounds started to come out of the forest. They sounded like someone was screeching, but it also sounded unnatural, twisted even. My brother just laughed it off, claiming it was just the drinks making us think the sounds were something else, something which both me and his girlfriend were very quick to agree with. A few hours later, we had retreated to the comfort of our tent. The others were sleeping, but I couldn't get those sounds out of my mind. Around 2 a.m. in the morning, I started to hear whispering coming from outside the tent. I just thought being tired and drunk was playing tricks on my mind. But the whispering just grew louder and louder, until I could swear that I recognized the voice. It sounded like my dead girlfriend, which was impossible. The voice kept insisting I come outside, and in my then current state, I must have decided to leave the safety of the tent. I say must have because I don't actually remember leaving the tent. I don't remember anything about the night, but my brother and his girlfriend found me the following morning unconscious. I still don't know what happened, but whenever I bring it up, people ask if a skinwalker may have been involved. Most of the time, they're joking, but it does make me wonder if that was what really happened. I don't know if skinwalkers exist, but I may have a story to share. I live in a small town in Colorado, and there is this really famous abandoned house on the edge of town. It is famous because not even the druggies that like to shoot up in the various abandoned properties around town go to that particular house. Last November, a pair of young kids went into that house, and one of them ended up getting brutally murdered and eaten. The other kid managed to get away and got the police involved. The kid was supposedly murdered by his own mother, despite her working in a hospital on the other side of town when he was killed. The kid that survived was absolutely certain that it was the kid's mother that was the killer. Is this a skinwalker? I really don't know. Hey, I'm a Muslim and I've researched a copious amount about Jinn, our equally conscious neighbor on this earth. After doing some research on skinwalkers, I'm fairly certain they're Jinn who have been granted the ability to take physical form easily in the SW regions through ritual. Before calling me out, please fully hear me out, as I'd honestly love feedback on this hypothesis. Jinn are beings composed of an energy body, which is in duality to our human bodies composed of matter. The key thing to know is that the Jinn's most famous ability is shapeshifting, especially into dogs and humans. The Jinn's other abilities include instant transportation of objects by converting matter to energy, transporting them at near light speed, and converting them back into matter. This is how Solomon apparently used the Jinn's to build magnificent structures. Jinn are also able to possess human beings, animals, and inanimate objects. Muslims do not believe in the ghosts of human beings. We believe all these to be malicious Jinn pretending to be dozens of identities over the millennia. Shapeshifters, ghosts, demons, fallen angels, spirits, etc. We believe Lucifer is a Jinn, since fallen angels are impossible as angels are incorruptible. However, please do note that just as humans, all jinn are not bad. Many are benevolent, think spirit guides, while most are probably neutral and don't interact with us. The interesting part, coming back to skinwalkers, is that not all jinn can do all abilities. 
Only the strongest jinn can perform acts such as shape-shifting into humans or transportation of large objects over large distances. This is similar to how only a handful of humans out of 7 billion probably have real psychic abilities, or even how working out makes you stronger. I don't know if these abilities are innate or if every jinn can attain them through training. For example, only one jinn in Solomon's army was able to steal the giant throne, think Game of Thrones, from the queen of another kingdom without them being able to react. The jinn brought it to Solomon from another country before Solomon finished standing up. Another example of skill levels is how shapeshifting into a human is much more advanced than into an animal, or possessing a human is more advanced than an object. When I recently read that the Native American medicine men performed rituals to ask the skinwalkers to fight the colonizers, it immediately reminded me of how the only way for humans to interact with jinn is through both symbols and rituals. Magical books, such as the Key of Solomon, show us how to interact with jinn. Many methods and forms were discovered by many civilizations as their magical arts over the ages. My hypothesis is that the medicine men of the Oz-UT area performed some ritual on the land that allowed jinn to shapeshift much more easily. Weaker jinn can use this area to shapeshift, which is why we see way more reports in those areas, yet you still see a few shapeshifter reports in other areas. Normally, weak jinn pretend to be ghosts or demons haunting a place, as they can stick to imitations of sounds and movement of small objects over small distances to drive fear. The fact that many animal-like skinwalkers walk funny while the human-like skinwalkers walk almost normal makes me think of different skill levels of jinn. Literally, all of their abilities match up, shape-shifting into both animals and humans, different levels of skill at shape-shifting, using ghost-like techniques, calling out to you in voices you recognize, and finally, medicine men calling them forth with rituals. These are just my thoughts as I've been trying to piece together the experiences and stories of different cultures and civilizations to hopefully see the bigger picture of our world. I'd love to get any and all feedback to help refine or refute this hypothesis. I'd also love to hear what other creatures you think might be Jin. Edit. After some feedback, I'd like to clarify how jinn and Abrahamic demons are the same exact thing since Islam is an Abrahamic religion referring to the same entities. Jinn are literally the same thing as Abrahamic demons. The main difference is that Muslims believe jinn slash demons are their own third race of conscious beings, alongside humans and angels. Muslims do not believe demons are fallen angels. Instead, that jinn slash demons were their own race of conscious beings where the best of them were allowed to be among the angels in rank, before many were cast down after jealousy towards Adam, with them being led by Lucifer, God's most precious jinn. From the moment of being cast from heaven, the Christian and Islamic stories of demons are the same. So a few years ago, me and my mom were driving home at like 3 a.m. We turned onto my street and I was looking out the window when I saw the back of this super tall, lanky, whitish gray hairless figure walking in between two houses and about to go behind them. I still remember seeing its spine because it was hunched over and so skinny. I was really freaked out, but I figured I may have been seeing things since it was so late. I stayed quiet and my mom kept driving. A second passed and my mom turned to me and said, what the F was that? My heart instantly dropped to my stomach. She saw it too. She said that when we turned onto the block, her high beams hit it. Its eyes glared like an animal. So when the light hit it, it had big sharpish teeth and grimaced like it was angry at us, then turned and walked away. She described the same body as me in the same manner of walking and that it turned from us and walked back behind the houses. We were so terrified we literally didn't know what we saw. She also said that when she was driving to get me she saw a bunch of deer on the way to the bus stop, 
but on her way back when we saw the thing she saw no deer whatsoever. I live in a pretty suburban part of New Jersey, but I do have woods around me. My mom and I are still terrified by it, and I've never seen my mom scared of something like that, especially since she's seen its face. Does anyone have any idea what I saw? My husband and I were driving to see my brother for Christmas a few years back. We lived in regional Victoria, Australia and he lived in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. It was about 2 AM and pitch black. Once we were reasonably close, five hours away, we had to go up and over this mountain slash forest area in the middle of nowhere to get there. It was rainy, misty and freezing cold, which was weird because it was the middle of summer and anyone who lives in Australia knows how hot it gets in summer here. But I figured, if rainforests are usually wet and cold, anyway, we were rounding this really narrow corner and out of nowhere, up beside me was this thing. It looked like it was trying to cross the road, and it stopped and ran back into the woods when we almost hit it. My husband thinks it was a giant koala, he doesn't believe in the paranormal or anything weird, but he didn't get a good look at it like I did. It was right next to me on the passenger side door. To me, it looked like a skinny, lanky person on all fours covered in fur. It had the face of a person and the body of a person but was walking on its knuckles and legs. Its eyes glowed like a cat's eyes in the dark as our headlights hit it. It freaked me out, and to this day I still don't know what the hell it was that I saw, but it's burned into my memory. Was it a giant mutant koala? A skinwalker? Yowie? Sasquatch? What do you guys think? Every night, my husband has terrifying dreams about mocking a skinwalker and getting attacked. This last one was the worst. He woke up and had thrown everything off the bed. In the dream, he looked at it head on and said I love you. He doesn't know why he said that. He usually has control over what happens in his dreams, but with these ones he doesn't. He was also standing on the edge of the woods a few weeks ago when I was explaining them to him and he said it out loud. Since then, he's been having these dreams and we've been hearing awful screaming from the woods every night. Any advice on how to make it stop or what it means? My friend and I go fishing pretty often on the river that runs through our small town in the Central Valley of California. This particular spot is relatively close to a few of the more expensive houses in town. It's near the edge of town, so on one side is the access road and houses, and on the other is miles and miles of orange orchards. From a dirt parking lot, the walk is just through an orchard and along a few river washes down to the shoreline where we like to fish in the summer. We had been fishing since about 5.40 pm at this spot today with nothing out of the ordinary happening until my friend left for a few minutes. He retraced our path to retrieve some gear he'd left upstream that he didn't think he'd need. It was late dusk or early night by this time, maybe 9 PM, and flashlights were necessary to see more than 10 feet in front of you. He was gone for 15 minutes while I waited upstream in the shallow water with my light and net trying to catch some crayfish to eat. As soon as he came back, he called out, where are you? With a noticeable concern in his voice. I called back from around a bit of a curve in the river that I was in the water. I figured he just didn't see me and was worried about me drowning or something. He then revealed to me that as he was packing up the stuff he'd left, he was barked at by an animal. He shone his light in the direction of the noise to see a fox with orange eyes looking back at him. He noted that its body was slender and oddly shaped, but that could just be because it was starved or rabid. Which also may explain why, as he yelled and kicked dirt in its direction, it just slowly walked toward him, unfazed. 
He was backing up toward where I was for a few yards while the fox followed him. For whatever reason, he was so unnerved by the behavior of the fox that he said he began screaming out for me and running away from the fox. So that part of the night was a little bit weird, but I figured it was just a rabid fox or one defending its kits. In hindsight, it could only really have been a rabid one since they don't have babies young enough to defend until the spring. Regardless, I was not too worried about it because I've spent enough time in the woods and at the river to know animals will do weird things that don't make sense to us. After he came back and explained what happened, we just messed around trying to net crayfish and carp in the river with our flashlights and checked my minnow trap and whatnot. Pretty suddenly, I got an unexplainable feeling of unease. It wasn't intense enough for me to say anything and I just chalked it up to being anxiety or an animal or someone else nearby. I didn't waste any time getting out of the water, though, and I started packing up my stuff on the beach. As I was packing up, my friend kept looking up at the dry river wash back the way we came. The second time he heard it, he was fumbling for his knife, and I heard it too for the first time. It sounded like something at least as big as me, snapping branches under its feet as it moved. It sounded like it was just on the other side of the small island separating where the river is running now and where it splits off and runs when it's full. About 30 yards away. This usually isn't such a big deal as we hear raccoons and possums all the time down there, and there's always the possibility of it being one of the many homeless people living there. But for whatever reason, we were both feeling uneasy about what was going on without really understanding why. Then our fear was justified by an absolutely evil series of screams. The only accurate way I can describe it is as evil. It was relatively high-pitched, but it was also guttural, like you could hear fluid in its throat. It was breathy and sounded dead and monotone. Like, if my vocal cords were completely torn up and I tried to clear my throat while also screaming, it might sound like what this thing sounded like. A wheezy, throaty, mid to high pitched yell or scream. It started with maybe two or three two seconds long screams, then progressed into longer screams, and peaked at what seemed like a five to ten seconds long scream. Then it trailed back off into the shorter screams and stopped about 20 to 30 seconds after it started. I can't remember what my friend and I were doing while it was happening. I don't remember if we looked at each other or not, but I was definitely frozen as my brain scrambled to fit what was happening into a slot of past experience. But this sounded like no animal I've ever heard of. I know what the owls sound like, I know what the fox screams sound like, I know what nearly every animal in my area sounds like. This thing didn't even really sound like an animal. It sounded dead. And evil. My heart sank deeper into my chest the longer it went on, and I could vividly hear the fluid in its throat and the distinct why as it opened its mouth and yelled at us. And that's what it felt like. It felt like it was staying just out of our sight, yelling directly at us. My friend quickly packed up his stuff and we had to walk toward where the sound came from to get out. I wasn't feeling scared like my heart was pounding. Instead I felt this sinking feeling, almost like I had to puke. We swiftly walked back, scanning every tree and bush on either side of us with our lights, occasionally turning back to check behind us. It didn't feel real. It felt like I had entered a horror movie scene where I was about to die or a nightmare where I suddenly become lucid and realize something is after me. I've had my fair share of odd things happening to me in the woods. Multiple trees falling with no wind, strange whistles, lights in the sky, rocks thrown toward me, etc. But nothing made my stomach sink like that scream did. We eventually made it up to the orchard, and as we were trying to wrap our brains around what we had just heard, we heard it again a bit further to our right. But it wasn't screaming. It was snarling and almost vocalizing or... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Growling or something. It lasted no longer than four seconds, and we walked the final 20 feet to the car and left. That's what happened. My question is, does this sound like a skinwalker encounter? The fox was bizarre. But the yell and snarl were so blatant and evil in such a primal way that I can't stop hearing it in my head. If there are any good resources to learn about these things or what an encounter with them means, I'd greatly appreciate it if someone shared them with me. It seems hard to find information about this subject, and I can't handle not knowing what that was. I'm nearly 16 years old. But this takes me back a couple years. I'd say around the age of 12 or 13. I'm not sure. My two cousins and I had been playing in this section in our grandma's woods, about 700 feet, forward from the tree line where my grandma's house is. We had played back there all day and had a lot of fun with no problems. Then, at around 11 PM, we had been out of the woods for a little bit at this point but I didn't know where my shirt was. I hear my cousin say, I think we left that and some of our other stuff back there. Come on, let's go grab it. And I follow being the stupid child that I was. And I get back to this little clearing where we were. And I don't see my cousin, my shirt, or any of our things. And I don't hear any more footsteps. Just a really weird feeling in my throat, feet, and stomach like some force was just keeping me there. Then I finally made it back to my grandmother's house, went inside, and there my cousin was just sitting inside. I never found that shirt and still have no idea what that was. I was following that day. Are they in Washington state? Okay, so I live on the east coast of Washington. Recently, I went on a drive I take a lot. It follows the Spokane River for a ways. I decided, since I had taken this drive so many times and I loved how scenic it was, it would be okay if I did it alone. I always took a friend because there isn't any service for miles once you're out there enough. I went further than usual, driving about 50 miles out, taking pictures and stuff like that because I bought a camera years ago and just never used it. I didn't even end up taking any good pictures, but it was still cool to go further than I had before, although I will never take this drive again. It does follow the river, but there's also some pretty thick woods in the area too. I don't know about other places around Washington or the Northwest, but we have painted rocks, old Indian paintings that have been preserved on their original rocks with a gate to keep people from messing with them. Up until that day, I thought we only had the one, but on that drive I saw another one, although the gate was definitely too short and anyone could jump it to get to the paintings. As I was driving back, it had started to get dark. 
I was a good 30 miles away from town when I saw what I thought was a coyote. Now that I grew up in a hunting family, I've seen more coyotes than I could count. But I remember being pretty excited because I hadn't seen one in years. It was just off the side of the road behind the wall that'll keep your car from going off the road. But as I got closer, it stood up on its hind legs. That thing definitely wasn't a coyote. I know what a coyote looks like, and they are definitely not taller than a person on their hind legs. By the time I passed it, it had ducked behind the wall, and I was in full panic mode. I was still a good ways away from town, by myself with no service. I ended up almost flipping my car going around some sharp turns because I was going close to 80 in a 35 zone. I honestly just wanted to get back into town, but every now and then I'd see it out of the corner of my eye in the trees. Now I am fully aware of the fact that it was dark and I was terrified, so all of those times could have been my mind playing tricks on me. But the first time I saw it, right by the road, I knew what I saw. That wasn't my mind playing tricks on me. But I also don't know much about the legends about the Spokane tribes or if we have skinwalkers up here. But I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, what really freaked me out, I think, were the eyes. Again, hunting family, I remember growing up, my dad always telling me to look out at the trees while driving at night, and if I saw two glowing things, it meant there was an animal. I had spotted plenty of deer and raccoons that way as a kid. But whatever that thing was, its eyes didn't glow. I didn't get a good look at its eyes. Again, I was more focused on getting the hell out of there rather than looking at what eyes it had. But human eyes don't glow. I honestly think that's what bothers me the most. So if anyone can give me information, or if it wasn't a skinwalker, if anyone knows what it could have been, please let me know. Skinwalker slash Kushtika in Alaska I'm not sure exactly if it was a Kushtika or not, but I'm pretty positive that it was a skinwalker. My husband and I were up in Alaska with his side of the family in an Airbnb in Wasilla, right next to a lake. For the most part, we stayed there uneventfully, but there are still a few things that happen that we still can't explain. The first night, I'm not sure what my husband was thinking, but he decided to whistle at night. He regretted doing it the rest of the week and didn't do it again. Almost immediately after, we heard a baby cry. Keep in mind that we don't have any kids staying with us. We thought maybe it was the TV, but nothing was on and we were all alone. Everyone else was either asleep or out of the house. Then, I kid you not, all the motion detection lights flipped on and the cries stopped. At this point, we're a little freaked out but still in denial. Unfortunately, it kept happening throughout the week we were there. Eventually, even all my in-laws heard it. Then, on the second to last day, my husband and I woke up around 2 a.m. and heard a huge bang against the window above our beds. It could have been a wild animal, but still we got the message. I don't think my husband is ever going to whistle at night again after this. When I was younger, I lived off the grid in these hills for a few years. We basically only left to get groceries every once in a while and so my parents could go to work. One night, on a bright moon, not full, I was sitting outside of our cabin and was bored waiting for my mom to get home. I see this pale looking deer walking up on a ridge about 300 yards away. It is walking perpendicular to me and is going from right to left. The moonlight was gleaning off of the deer but for some reason it seemed to almost glow, or be whiter than normal. After watching this deer for a couple of minutes kind of muddle along every once in a while, dipping its head down, it began to stagger forward, but its four legs began to shift upwards in front of its body and the deer itself appeared to get taller, taller than any person I've seen, at least eight feet tall.
The front legs shifted to their sides and became what I can only assume were arms. The deer's head began to shift and become more upright in its stance. It stood there for about 5, minus 10 seconds, just on its hind legs, balanced and still. Like a giant pale horn-clad warrior or something? Then that was it. I lost sight completely and have never seen anything like it again since. One of the people we were living with was a 50-year-old Vietnam vet who saw the entire event with me. He stayed up for a few hours beating pots and pans to scare it away, no guns. Whenever I share this story when my friends ask about paranormal or unexplainable stuff, I always give this story because I truly could not comprehend what it was, and most people tell me I saw a skinwalker, but I'm not sure so sure. What do you think?